ready to create and grow the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. A bigger audience, more impact, and a new revenue stream. We'll show you how. I'm Jenny Barcelos. And I'm Sandy Connery. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. everyone and welcome to episode 9 of the Soulful MBA podcast. I'm Jenny Barcelos and I'm joined here with my co-host Sandy. Hi Jenny. Hello everyone. Hey Sandy. And it's a beautiful Saturday morning or Saturday lunchtime while we're recording this episode all about transition. So I'm going to just kind of ask you to take over, Sandy, given that this topic was your suggestion. I love this idea, but you have a really personal story to start with. So why don't we start there and then we can kind of get into the broader context in which your story falls. Sure. I have spent probably the last couple years before starting in this new career, as my old career ended, I spent years struggling with the idea of transitioning knowing I had to, but not able to figure out how to do it, if I could do it, and just just immersed in deep, deep fear. And so we were talking about this, you and I were talking about this last night, and decided to do a whole podcast on this because I had gone back and read my journal from those years. And it was so fascinating to look at my mindset and what I was dealing with and how I just could not see the answer that was staring right in front of me. So just to summarize the story, I don't want to make the whole podcast about this story, but I think that it will relate to some of our listeners because so many people in health and wellness business move into it after going through some kind of crises or some kind of unhappiness Mm -hmm. or some kind of health scare. And it's really hard to transition into a new career or a new a new area with lots of uncertainty. Yeah. I mean, and I would say transitioning into your own business is like a whole other step beyond transitioning into a new career because you're learning a new way of kind of operating in the world as you know as an entrepreneur versus I mean for you you were an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. before too but for most people they're transitioning from employment to entrepreneurship in addition to transitioning kind of the entire field of work all these unknowns that you don't even like taxes and bookkeeping all these things that you don't even know you don't even know to ask the questions (laughs) about before you start so my story starts with I was a certified podorthist in Canada which is a profession that is primarily uh, in Canada not so much in the U.S. but I owned brick and mortar retail stores two of them where we had clinics inside the retail stores that we saw clients for lower limb injuries so I had a clinical staff as well as a retail staff and just around 2012 I just these little feelings started to create in that I was no longer enjoying this, that it wasn't as fun as it used to be. I didn't want to go to work anymore, which was a very scary feeling when you are the owner of a business. Uh, I did have partners in a different city, so I wasn't the sole operator. I had two partners in a different city, but I was the man on the ground here, if you will. I was the face of the business. I was the uh, owner operator here in front of everybody, all the media and the staff and the customers, of course, and all the physicians that referred to us. And there was just these sort of inklings of like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And some things had been changing in the store and the way that we were structuring that was taking some of my job duties back to head office in the other city where my partners were. And it wasn't sitting with me well because I just was sort of losing some of the power and some of the decision making. And 
I was just struggling. And in the beginning of 2013, that's the year that everything happened. I was started to listen to Gabby Bernstein and I read Tim Ferriss's book about the, the four hour work week and all these ideas started to sort of circulate. And I realized that this is not what I wanted to do. And I attempted to experiment with adding something. And, and I think the basis of it was that I was not growing at my job. I was stuck. I was stagnant. It wasn't challenging. So at the basis of my unhappiness was that I was no longer growing, expanding, learning, or being challenged. That was, that was sort of the crux of it. So I started looking for other things and I actually looked into traditional Chinese medicine here in Calgary and was accepted. Talked to my partners about sort of doing a part-time thing while I went to school. And I didn't end up doing that in the end because I realized I was basically, it was just too much money and too much time, four years of study. And then I went into nutrition. I started studying nutrition on the side, trying to hold on to this sort of business that I had trying to stay in because I was the owner after all and owners don't leave like they stick with their business they started it and then in the year of 2013 everything just went super fast so I started getting very sick I had multiple back-to-back -back pneumonias and bronchitis I became anemic I was dealing with fibroids really really heavy menstruation that made me anemic it was horrible a horrible year looking back now I can see a very distinct pattern where I would say no, I can't leave the business because I am too integrated in it. They need me and the staff need me. My partners need me. I can't disappoint them. I'm staying. And then the bronchitis and would turn into pneumonia. And then I would say, oh my God, I can't live like this. I need to do something different. And I would get a little bit better. And then I ended up having to schedule a hysterectomy because of the menstruation problems. It was so bad. And then up to that point, I would, again, I'd falter, I'd make a decision, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna sell my shares. I'd falter and then I got a, a kidney stone. I was in the hospital, you know, weeks before the operation for the hysterectomy. And then I'd come out of that kidney stone. And I was like, okay, I'm absolutely doing this. The universe, I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm hearing the messages, I'm going to tell them I'm gonna sell. And then the next day I'd go to work and the fears would come back again. Like I will ruin too many people's lives if I leave. And then again, like then the next day I'd get a kidney infection. I'd be back at the physicians. You know, it just, it was literally like, I decide this, I get sick. I decide I'm leaving, I get better. And I took some time off after the hysterectomy and stayed home. And it was within that period away from the business that I decided this has to change. Like no matter what happens, I have to leave. And it, it was hard to make that decision by myself. I needed someone to give me permission to leave. And I uh, ended up seeing a coach named Kathy Yost, who's certified in Brene Brown's program. Program. She's amazing. And she asked me, you had to make a decision based on your health alone, what would it be? And I said, well, absolutely, I would I would leave. If that was my only factor, I would absolutely have to sell the shares. And she said, well, then what is your decision? And she told me things like, she said, you know, who are you to stand in the way of what you are meant to be doing? And it just sort of struck, she was like mad. Like she's kind of yelling at me, like, who do you think you are? To, to stop your own progress and your own journey. Yeah. And she said, don't worry, because I kept saying, well, how will they survive without me? Like, who will lead here in Cal, you know? And she just said, the how will take care of itself and just mm -hmm. let the universe in and let the universe lead. And it was in that moment that I made the decision and never turned back. And in, within a couple of days, I had contacted my partners and told them. But the point of the story is like, transitioning or changing something is the fear that I lived with for two years the flip-flopping back and forth made me so ill over and over and over again yeah. and I think yeah. we need to be okay with that 
that change and know and and the other thing that I realized is I would you know I'm so important how are they going to survive without me they did just fine without me they did just fine without me and I think as an owners and leaders we think that we're so integral to the business and of course they'll survive they found other people to take my job. You know, they're probably better off without me. So looking back at all those journal entries, I was so miserable for so long. And I just hope that we can inspire people who are struggling to make that decision faster and not let it go as far as it did with me and, and really affecting my health. Yeah, and Sandy, just remind me, how many years were you in that career before oh, you switched? Oh, um, almost 20. So 13 years with the business here in Calgary, but beyond that, I was the sole proprietor. I was a clinician, uh, so always self-employed for almost 20, I think. So a long time, and that was part of it too, is like I'd kind of yeah. maxed out. I'd done everything you could do. I had taught, I had done courses for the university and you know, led all the college and our national association as the president and the chair. Like I, there's nothing else to do, but yeah. it was beyond that. It was like, this is no longer fun. Yeah, I, I think that's really important. You know, one of the things when we were just talking about this last night offhand, as I, I shared with you that I rem had remembered reading something mm -hmm. from Oprah a long time ago, just where she was writing an essay about a friend that shared with her, you have the right to change your mind. And like how that, that phrase has never left me. And even if your business ha had tanked after you left, you mm -hmm. still have the right to do it, right. you know? And obviously that didn't happen in your case, which is great, but you have this one life. And if you feel compelled to do something else with your time, which is in many ways your most precious asset, then, mm -hmm. you know, like th there's no reason at all, financial, whatever. There's no, no yeah, reason none. why you shouldn't do it if you feel so strongly and feel so compelled or, or something's something's getting at you so much that it's making you physically ill, you know, and it's easy to see that in someone else like, hey, you need to make a change. But it's it's hard to acknowledge it in yourself because, right, we have ego attachment to that identity. Huge. And, and that that's that's the other part of the conversation that we wanted to come out was this whole idea around how you wrap your identity up into your career or your formal training. And for me, I had a bachelor of science in kinesiology. I studied biomechanics and people thought that was so cool. Like when I said that, people were like, wow, you did, you're bio, biomechanist? Yeah. And then I had other letters behind my name as a CPEDC or a certified pedorthist Canada. You know, so there's like some kind of ego propping with, with those letters. So the letters behind my name were important to me because it fed the ego. But when I left, I, I just absolutely knew that I didn't want to practice uh, pedorthics anymore, that I would not be returning. So I let everything, my membership in my professional association left, I let go of my insurance. And then I started these software companies and it was so funny how I felt like I was more valuable to society or worth more if I had a post degree. I mean, you can't take the degree away, but I wasn't working in that industry anymore. So I felt like, I don't know, it's hard to, de to describe. Like I wanted people to know, oh, I have a software company, but just so you know, I have a bachelor's mm -hmm. degree in biomechanics and I had a store for 13 years where I was the owner. And so if someone would ask me what I did, I would say, I have a software company, but, and then I would ramble on my whole past so that they knew that I was educated and I had a career. Like somehow like just software yeah. was not enough. And it was about a year that it took me to sort of let go of that identity of being a science and a clinician. It, it was a long time before I could say, yeah, I own a software company. And now I say it with such pride and two software companies, right? And the difference that we're making and 
in people's lives and the happiness and the joy and how it feeds my creativity is something to be really proud of. And there's so many notes back in my journal where it says, I just wanna be creative. I wanna be an innovator. I wanna be a teacher. And there's all these things I wanted to be that my current job as it was, was not was not feeding at all. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, you, you created it, you made it happen. I mean, that story I think is really important because I think it's actually a, a really common story. We each have our own version of it, but I think a lot of people in our community have a really similar background to you, Sandy. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have advanced degrees and have worked and risen in their field. And then they have, like you said, a health incident or they just have a realization that they're done, you know, that they're ready for the next step. And I think there's a process emotionally that and psychologically that everyone has to go through to be able to make that transition, to be able to let the old identity go. You know, we're not any kind of life coaches <laughs> or anything. Like we don't profess to have any advice on how to do that other than our own experiences, but also just acknowledging that it's a common shared experience. And if you're feeling that right now, you're not alone and it's okay I think to still feel attached to your old identity and also be open to taking on something new and learning a new set of skills and making a new name for yourself for a new career. You're the owner of your life, so you don't have to hold on to something if it's not serving you anymore. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is a tool designed to help you teach, train, and coach from anywhere on the planet. If you're a wellness professional looking to take your business to the next level, you can learn more at namastream.com. I think in wellness, when we have a clinical practice or when we have a a strong teaching community of, of students, I've also heard a few people who have come to us who say that they're just burnt out, like they're just exhausted dealing with the students or with the patients, mm-hmm. the clients. And it is really hard to deal with patients, you know, like I did for 20 years, like it's exhausting. Yeah. And you really need to know how to prepare and protect yourself from that energy because it can suck you dry, like it can just destroy you. So I've also heard they love the work, but they just can't deal with the clients and students anymore. So they're looking, you know, in our case, they're looking to to build a business online where there's a bit of separation. They still can do the work and the teaching and have the impact, but there's a bit of a break from coaching or dealing with clients every single day. Interpersonal. Yeah, it's it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. But you had found um, a lady that um, was talking about pivoting. I'd love to have you explain that. Yeah, so the hustle, we can just sort of skip ahead and then we can talk about the joy and hustle this week. But the hustle this week, I wanted to point out, there's a woman named Jenny Blake who worked in kind of career transition work within Google and she's since written a book called Pivot and she's made her rounds around the kind of podcast business circuit lately. I think her book came out last fall. And we're going to link to a YouTube video of her giving a talk at Google back at her old office, um, which is really quite good. I, I will say I have not read the Does book. Does she work for have. Google? She did. Oh, I didn't yeah, realize. She did. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then she went on to start her own business and she's written a couple of books and anyway this book is I've heard her interviewed a number of times and the video that we're showing basically gives you the idea of what she talks about in her book but it's all about how 
how to pivot, how to make a change in your career. And in, in it, she talks quite a bit about how you have to become kind of good at pivoting in this new economy because this is increasingly the way our world works. You don't have a single job or career for your whole life. That's really rare in this day and age. The world is shifting so quickly and the economy is shifting so quickly that being quick on your feet and being able to make changes quickly and comfortably is a really good skill to have. And she basically just talks about taking small steps and figuring out where you want to end up and then taking small steps to get there it's not rocket science at all by any means but it's helpful to hear someone lay it out in a really clear way so yeah she also said that that fear that you have is a great opportunity for growth and to explore something completely new and I wish that I had someone tell me that early on in 2012 because that's what I needed to hear yeah that you were on the right path your fear is sort of telling you Mm -hmm. that you're on the right path in a way right Yeah, I did a little bit of research after we had this conversation last night about the statistics that are taking place in the economy and how I think the average worker, at least in the United States, and I'm sure it's similar in Canada, has something like 11.6 jobs. So you make that transition like 11 times, 12 Mm -hmm. times in your life, in your working life, which is a lot. And I think the average person now has 10 jobs before age 40. And granted, in many cases, those jobs are within a single career path, but they're not always. And I think, you know, as the economy shifts, there's certain careers that are in demand and certain ones that aren't. You know, we just as beings that have to survive in a connected economy have to be able to make choices that allow us to change what we were doing before. So I think it's just good to know that this is a normal thing. And, and you know, and in some ways, making the shift from career to entrepreneur, like a career track to an entrepreneur track, can kind of remove you from that situation where you have to be job hopping every couple of years because you start to define your own life and your own balance and your own goals. And it doesn't mean you won't shift around in your entrepreneurial journey at all, but it just means that you have a little bit more control than if you're working, mm-hmm. obviously, for someone else or for a big corporation. Still pivots within your own business, right? Yeah. Like you have to be open. You can't have a, you know, I'm doing it this way. And then the market's demanding something or something shifted. You still like we use that word pivot a lot, actually. Um, yeah. You know, you have to be ready. Yeah, it's, it, it's a really big word mm-hmm. in the startup yeah. world. I mean, it has a little bit of a slightly different definition. And, but in the startup world, you have to be able, once you realize like there's not product market fit or something's not quite right with some uh, with a tool you've built or your product, then you have to be able to pivot, make sure that it meets the needs of the market. And part of the, the way you become successful as a startup is to be able to pivot really well, quickly and efficiently. So I, I mean, it sort of has a double meaning for us, I think. Um, and we've done that, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've done that as a company as well, where we've had to make some pretty big shifts in our product and in the services that we offer we're completely responsive to our market so as soon as we get an indication that something isn't right or that there's a new feature set or a new course or something that needs to to be made we do it like that's that's part of our role you know I also wanted to bring up Sandy um, I won't get into my own story in this because I feel like your story kind of represents the experience of both of us although it's fact-based very different but I do want to talk about something I had a mentor so I used to do this work dealing with well I still do right on to some degree dealing with climate change and human rights issues and for a long time I was really interested in the intersection of kind of like war in the environment and the ways that conflict made the environment safer or less safe and so I worked with a lot of like generals like colonels and folks in the military on the, in this body of work which was actually really fascinating and powerful and in different countries as well like in different war zones and 
generals and folk like sort of military leaders talk about stability a lot like stability is a really important factor when it comes to security because if a region is unstable or a community is unstable it's much more likely to have conflict like violent conflict and I remember sitting down to lunch with a mentor of mine many years ago probably like I don't know, 10 years ago, I was talking about what are the pathways for increasing stability, like in a region, in the world, like what are the best known ways of creating stability? And I just remember him saying like, there is no stability. There's no stability there. It does not exist. It is like this mythical beast. Like we, all that we have are islands of stability. So what you do is you try to identify and isolate the islands of stability, like places where you have a stasis for a little bit of time. And you never know how long you're going to have that stasis, but you, you sort of acknowledge that it's a temporary blip in this overall system of insecurity and instability. I don't want to like be a downer about that in any way, but I think it's the same thing in our careers and in our lives. Like you only have these periods of time where things are sort of in flow and working and there's relative stability in your career and in your life. And then, you know, something happens. Like the plant shuts down, the economy tanks, someone close to you passes away. Like mm -hmm. the more comfortable you are with discomfort, I think the more likely you are to thrive in whatever it is that you're doing, including your career including your business, like, because that's just the way of the world. That conversation was, like I said, like 10 plus years ago, and it sticks with me all the time, like this concept of islands of stability, and it's like a military concept, but it sticks with me as like, oh, that's the, that's the order of things. Like when I'm in my little house in my island and the wind is blowing 50 miles an hour and the trees are falling all around me, and I'm in this like very natural place now, I like, it's, I guess it's more visceral to me because I'm, I don't know, I feel it. I physically feel it and see it around me, the instability and like the lack of my ability to control my surroundings, my environment, the economy, whatever. Like I don't get to control that. Yeah, that, it's a great metaphor for life. I, I agree. And the more you're open to change and willing to adapt, the easier things are going to be because something will always happen. Something is yeah, always happening. It will. it will. It will always happen. It is always happening. If you can develop the ability to be comfortable in instability, mm -hmm. then you're fine. Like, so the, so like your career isn't working out. Like the, the more that you can say, like, what are my strengths? What are my dreams? Like, how can I start to take the next step? The more quickly you're able to do that, the better off you're going to be. And I think it's a really important tool again mm -hmm. to have and mindset to take on as an entrepreneur because like even think about things like silly things like social media where like some, a tool like periscope was all the rage what like a year ago mm -hmm. like a year and a half ago yeah. and everyone's like hey we're learning periscope you need to take this class on learning periscope right and now like periscope basically nobody even uses exist, it anymore yeah. because the facebook live like just in the business world and in the online world and in the technology world like it, the landscape is constantly shifting there are a thousand new tools being made new ideas getting a beta product built today right like you don't know what's going to take off what isn't what you're using that's going to get replaced or, like or you facebook. just need to facebook is full of <laughs> right the algorithm changed <laughs> the algorithm changed all of a sudden life is totally different yeah. right like you got to get comfortable with it and you have to sort of give up this idea that you can control anything other than your own ability to be dynamic and flexible yeah and ride with the punches like that's the skill to learn i think it's a, a really important skill transition transition be good at transition yeah ready for it i love it yeah that was a great point great point do you want to do the joy 
ready for that yeah yeah let's do the joy so it's your joy it's my so joy and i we the last couple episodes our joys have been kind of like you said blurred with the hustles or kind of businessy so this is like pure joy for me i actually have two joys because i couldn't decide so in my periods of darkness in my evenings when i'd be journaling and trying to figure out my life i turned a lot to angel cards just to Again, I think looking for that external, like, it's okay for you to quit your job. And I would turn to angel cards. They have all these notes about what the card was and what it meant and trying to interpret it. And so last year for Christmas or the year, maybe the year before, you bought me the most beautiful tarot cards. And they're actually not angel cards. They're actually like a tarot deck. And the deck is the wild unknown and tarot is very intimidating. I know zero about it. I don't know how to do the deck or to deal the deck, I don't know how to read it, but these tarot cards are created by an artist who's like, tarot shouldn't be scary, just use them however you need to use them. And she gives a little, you know, outline on how to use them, it's super simple, but it's the art on these cards that are all sort of nature and animals. And she drew every single one by hand. There's a lot of straight lines in it. And she does never, since she was a child, has she ever used a ruler? And I love these cards. And so, for those that are seeking intuition, if you're looking to get some answers from your intuition, I think these cards are beautiful. So they are thank beautiful. You. I know nothing about the, this type of thing, but I just saw them and I thought they were the prettiest. They're gorgeous. Beautiful little treasure. Yeah, they are. So they really are. <laughs> and then I want to add a second joy because just looking back at these past years, once I had left the shoe store in the clinic, one of the benefits of working in the shoe store was that I bought footwear at a very reduced rate or was given by the reps uh, free shoes but I always had to buy and wear brands that we sold which makes sense and which was wonderful right but there is this shoe designer by the name of John Fluvog who is a Canadian shoe designer he has stores all across Canada and into the U.S. and maybe elsewhere I'm not sure and I've always loved 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 his shoes and I just so desperately wanted and one of the thoughts like should I stay or should I go? One of the pluses, the pros for going was I could buy Fluvogs so and wear the, the shoes that I damn well <laughs> pleased. And so within a week of actually leaving the store for the last time, I marched myself downtown Calgary to the Fluvog store and I bought two pairs of Fluvogs. And you could talk about like elation and joy. I had Fluvogs from Queen Street in Toronto from like 20 years ago, but they were worn out and the soles cracked and so on. But so I was so excited to have my own new pairs of Fluvogs. If you're not a shoe person, you'll be thinking this is just crazy talk. But oh my God, I was so excited to buy my own Fluvogs. So if you don't know Fluvogs, check, they have a, a great website you can purchase online and there's stores on in every major city. And they're super funky. Yeah, super funky. They're not for everyone. They're a little on the fast side. They're very unique, but they're so unique that they never go out in style because they don't fit into any trends at all. But I could go on at nauseum about why the design and the, the way he made them, why they're so comfortable and why they're such a smart shoe. But I will spare you that talk. But you have a pair. You enjoy yours. I have two. Well, because you're my friend, obviously I have them because you've turned me on to them. I, we went to a Fluvog store in Portland one time mm -hmm. when we were there for a conference. And then we also went in Seattle. Yeah, huh? that's right. So, and then you get to like, you get to buy them duty free, right? <laughs> so you get no tax when we're in the U.S. Right. And it's like this, so cheap. you get this special piece of paper that you have to take with you when you fly home. Yeah. Anyway, Canadian American <laughs> issues, but... Yeah, but yeah, they're they're really fun. They're and they are super comfortable. I can attest to it too. Like the ones that I have have kind of a big heel for me. The two that I have actually one is a significantly bigger heel than the other. But yeah, we'll post links to the yeah. 
to the site obviously you can go look at how funky they are you've probably like seen them around i don't know most people don't know who fluvog is although my son's vice principal i saw him on the steps and i was like are those excuse me are those fluvogs you're wearing he's like yes they are i'm like oh my god you've just turned into the coolest vice principal ever he's like it's all i have it's all i have so not many people know about them but yeah they're they're beautiful they're beautiful yeah so yeah and if you have some we'll have a little thread for this podcast all about transition but if you want to snap a picture of your flu bogs and post them in our facebook group you're welcome to do it I'm <laughs> i sure would sandy be so can. proud of somebody sandy would be really excited <laughs> I really would. if you did that i really would oh, that's so sad well thank you for listening to my story and i hope that it resonates with a few of you and if sort of teetering on the edge of change. I hope that you check out the the hustle that Jenny found because I think some of that advice I really wish I had in those dark days. Yeah, and embrace it. Embrace the transition. That's all that's the best advice we can give you because we're still in it. I think like even 3 years into this journey, we're in it and it never ends. Like once you become an entrepreneur, you sort of live in it and you just get comfortable with it. It's a beautiful place like non-attachment we're very maybe we're just buddhist i don't know (laughs) it's very it's a good place to be it's a good place to live absolutely makes life a little bit easier when you're a little bit more bendy and able to take on what comes at you with grace so thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you in the next episode bye everybody bye Soulful MBA is not just the name of our podcast. It's also the name of our premium business course and community. If you are a wellness entrepreneur who dreams of growing your business online, but you're not clear on your next steps and you wish you had someone to guide you, then we've got something for you. Get Soulful MBA's first syllabus and three free video lessons by heading over to soulful.mba sample.